0: So we've been talking about what it looks like to be an everyday missionary uh, for Jesus here where we live, work, and play um, here in Grove City or in the surrounding areas where you may have driven in from. Um, And this is really important. I I was reading an article this week that said that it is no longer correct to call uh, the United States of America a post-Christian nation. Um, because we are now a pre-Christian nation. There are more people living in our culture and our society who have not uh, heard the story of Jesus than there are people who have just heard it and are doing nothing with it. We live in a culture that needs to be retold the story of grace through the person of Jesus. Jesus. And this becomes ever more important for us as we discover what it is to be one of God's missionaries here in Grove City, in the greater Columbus area, throughout Ohio, and into the world. Our text today comes from uh, the book of Romans. Um, and, and, and Romans is written uh, somewhere in the mid 50s by Paul while he's on one of these missionary journeys. Um, So he's going from from church to church in Asia Minor. Uh, Part of what he's doing is he's sharing the gospel. He's uh, making new disciples, new believers, who are uh, in turn making new disciples themselves. He's also collecting uh, relief funds for the church in Jerusalem. And while he's on one of these missionary journeys, he decides to write a letter to the church in Rome. Now, the church in Rome is uh, unique for a first century church in that it is primarily Gentile. Uh, Scholars tell us that the church in Rome is somewhere between 65 and 70 percent Gentile. Which means that they have an interesting dynamic as opposed to, you know, the church in Jerusalem, which is almost entirely Jewish or, or one of the other cities. So Paul is writing this letter to Rome, which uh, Rome is the center of the known universe at the time. Uh, The old uh, adage, all roads lead to Rome, right? We remember this from our junior year uh, world history class, right? All roads lead to Rome. Rome is, is the center of the known universe. Everything that is going on in the world is funneled through Rome in one way or another, it's, it's the center of government, it's the center of commerce, uh, it's, it's the center of culture. Everything is happening in Rome. And there's a church that is growing into maturity there in the city of Rome. And Paul's writing to this church in the hopes that they would be encouraged in the face of some anxiety and some adversity. As we read throughout the Gospels, we see that there is um, a natural tension between uh, Jews and Gentiles in the early church. And here's a place where they are in each other's business on a weekly basis. We also know that in less than ten years, Rome will burn and Nero will blame the Christians in Rome for Rome burning. So it's, it's these people who are likely already starting to get under the skin of the Roman authorities there in the city of Rome. So Paul writes to them uh, to remind them of salvation that comes through Christ in the righteousness that we Uh, that we receive as well. As we pick up in verse 11. Paul writes that I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have among the other Gentiles. For I'm obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. For just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul is telling the church in Rome that that courage comes from knowing and believing the gospel. Knowing and believing the gospel. These, these two things uh, work together together. And when they are are working together in one's life, it's then that a believer has the courage to live a righteous life. It's then that that a believer has the courage to share that gospel with those who are around them. And one of the things that, that we we are reminded as we read this text is that, that we must continually be preaching the gospel to ourselves and to those around us. Because our bucket's leaky. You know, it, it's easy, you know, and, and I appreciated uh, uh, Susan's uh, children's moment this morning. She is right. The thought distortions are everywhere. You can't turn on the TV without being like, oh man, look at that celebrity and how pretty they are. Why am I not pretty? I'm not pretty, so nobody likes me. And not only that, like we, we, we live in a world that has told us that we're fine. I'm fine, you're fine, everybody's fine. The only people who aren't fine are the people who are saying you're not fine. The Bible tells us that we've been created good and that our rebellion makes us dead. Good's a whole lot better than fine and dead is not fine. We have been created good, our rebellion makes us dead. But the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection into new life brings us into a reconciled relationship with the Father and we are no longer dead. Which is better than fine. It's really good. And this is something we have to continually be sharing with ourselves and others or it's going to leak out. Because the water we swim in is not sharing with us the realities of the created order how God has made it. So we need to continually be reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel. That we have been created good. That God's intent for us is not just to be fine. That we are rebellious, and because of that rebellion, we are dead. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are alive once more. And that salvation is, it's not just something that we collect on when our heart stops beating. We aren't just uh, saved from eternal torment. We are saved in the here and now from the sinful practices which separate us from God. We are saved in the here and now from the proclivities which separate us from our fellow person. This is not some sort of pie in the sky when you die, sit on a cloud with a harp gospel. This is an enfleshed real right now. God is making things new as we are in the midst of it reality. And we have to be continually reminding ourselves of this or we will we will find ourselves defaulting to the cultural narrative. The cultural narrative that says, well, it's us versus them. We are good, they're evil. We are right, they're insincere, and still evil. I I might not be perfect, but I'm better than them. When the gospel calls us to a rearranging of the way that we see ourselves and our place in the world. Our goodness is a gift from God. Our righteousness is a gift from God. It is what God believes about us that is most important. That we are... Worthy of being saved. Not because of what we have done, but because God wants to know us. I mean, the reality is that God loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. God inviting us into this new life is not about what we have done to earn it. It's because of who Jesus is. It's because God's desire is to know us and be known by us. Sometimes at breakfast we uh, um, we read through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and uh, uh, this morning you know I was sitting there with my boys, and I said, uh, "What is the chief aim of man?" And they kind of looked at me silly, and I said, "Mommy, what's the chief aim of man?" And she says, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's true. Right? Like, we, we exist. We were born primarily so that we could know God. So that we could enjoy God's presence in our lives. so that we could learn how to live in a way that brings joy to God. Which is radically different from what the world tells us we were created for. Right? The world says, you were born to get a job. Whether you like it or not, you're going to work. Your fingers will hurt. But, have no fear... That job makes it so you can pay taxes and eventually you will stop working, you won't stop paying taxes, but you'll stop working and maybe if you've been really wise with your money then you can have a little bit of fun before you expire. That is a I mean, there's no wonder we live in a hopeless culture, if if most of us believe that's what is true about life. If it all comes down to, can we run the rat race just fast enough not to be eaten by the cat? Man, what a terrible state of existence. But if instead, everything that we do is directed back to the deeper reality of what it is to be human. If everything that we do is tied instead to the gospel mission. It changes everything. We aren't just cogs in a machine anymore. We are part of the fabric of the kingdom that God is building in the world around us. And this runs in the face of of a lot of the assumptions of our culture. Because our culture has essentially told us that, that we are the masters of our destiny. That we are the captains of our life. That we are the heroes of our own story. But the gospel reminds us that there is one hero in the story of creation, and it's Jesus. We are all damsels in distress. And we have been rescued. We've been rescued, and we have been put to a purpose. So what we say what we do and what we believe actually matters. It's not the sort of thing that, that all of that stuff is just sort of you know, floating out there without any connection to reality. What we do and what we believe matters because righteousness and faith are tied together. We cannot live a righteous life, we cannot live a life where we are in a right relationship with God if we have not also come to some degree of right belief about God. And Even something as foundational as God is God and I am not takes us 80% of the way there. Because as long as we are operating as the gods of our own lives, we can never be in a right relationship with God. As long as we are continuing to believe the cultural cultural assumption that it is up to me to determine my future, that it is uh, up to me to determine what is right and wrong, that it is up to me to determine what I should and shouldn't do, then we are incapable of having a right relationship with a God who says, I have a preferred future for you, which is better than what you can manufacture on your own. With a God who says, I have a way of living that will lead to joy. It's a question of of showing up. Um, Paul says that he longs to see the church in Rome so that he might impart upon them uh, a spiritual gift to make them strong, um, so that he can share the gospel in their lives. Uh, the reality is all of us will experience a period in our lives where we will be incapable of sharing the gospel with ourselves. We'll be discouraged, we'll have a chemical imbalance, We'll have something going on. We'll be incapable of sharing the gospel with ourselves. We'll be incapable of remembering about reality. And this is where together in discipleship groups, in worship, in Bible studies, in in these groups of, of mutual accountability and affirmation that we discover how to live courageously in the world. Uh, this, this past week, um, we had discipleship group at, at our house on Monday night. And I was not in a good mental space to begin. I, I didn't really want to go, but it was in my living room, so it would have been weird if I would like, hidden in the basement. Um... So I showed up, not really wanting to be there. But wouldn't you know that that whether I wanted to be there or not, God showed up. And I left Monday night more encouraged about what God was doing in my life and in the life of the people there in my discipleship group than I've been for months Because my discipleship group was able to share the gospel with me in a way that I had not been able to share it with myself for a long time now. We need each other. We need each other's stories. We need each other's faithfulness. We need each other's courage in order to live the way that God has called us. And ultimately, it's, it's about showing up. When we show up, good things happen. If you've been watching the Blue Jackets, you know to score on the Blue Jackets, just hang around the goal because Corpus Allo is going to give up juicy rebounds and just tap them in. When you show up, good things happen. It's true in hockey, and it's true in life if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus, more important than anything else is showing up. Showing up to discipleship group, Showing up to worship. Uh, showing up to, to your own personal quiet time reading the scripture and praying. It's just showing up. Now, yeah, it's, it's great if you go in with a great attitude. You know, I, 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 would, I would love it if personally, every Sunday morning, I woke up full of energy saying, yes, it's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're going to church today, it's going to be great. I'm going to preach and it's going to not suck. But honestly, that's not what happens a lot of the time my alarm goes off and I go, oh, no. It's that time again. They're going to know I don't know what I'm talking about. But it has been my experience that oftentimes it is on those weeks, it's oftentimes those weeks that I don't really want to be here that God shows up and Comforts my soul in a way that I need. Encourages my heart in a way that I've been lacking. You know, a, a daily Bible reading time is a difficult practice to get into. And oftentimes, it's just at the point where, where you're like, you know, I'm tired. I have so much stuff to do. I don't want to take the next 20 minutes to read the Bible and pray. It, oftentimes, it's on those days that God shows up in the most powerful way. And it's a reminder that none of it is about us. It's not about what we bring to the equation that's important. When we show up, God shows up and shows up more. God has a way of working in our life and in the lives of those around us to give us that thing we need to be faithful in that day. We know that courage is developed in covenant communities. It's developed when we surround ourselves with people who will preach the Gospel into our lives because... If not, our bucket is leaky. And we'll forget. We'll begin believing those thought distortions. Rather than the truth, which is that God loves us. That there's nothing we can do about it. That that, that Jesus has died so that we can know the goodness of God and experience the fullness of his kingdom. As Paul says, we should not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The righteous will live by faith. Let's pray together. Almighty God, give us faith to live as your righteous people. Help us to preach the gospel into our lives each day and into the lives of those who are around us. That's really all it is to be a missionary, is to live a life defined by the gospel to preach it to ourselves, to preach it to our families, to preach it to our neighbors and co-workers. Not in a way that's weird, but in a way that recognizes the reality of this world that we live in. That we are here because of your grace. That we have been created good. that our rebellion has made us dead, but Christ has risen us up to new life again. Lord, we are not how much money we make. We are not what political candidate we choose to endorse. We are not the record of our favorite football team. We are not, whether or not our children can stay out of trouble or not, we are not, if our body feels good or not, but what we are is we are your children, bought at a price, adopted from slavery to sin and death. We are your people, missionaries of your kingdom, and Lord, for that we give you thanks. And we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.